Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, Jay Dub, here to talk week 13 NFL fantasy musings. This used to be the last game of the regular fantasy football season. And now the NFL went for the money grab and they went 17 games. And now most leagues, I think all the leagues I play in go 14 regular season weeks. Anyhow, we've got two weeks left. And I'll talk about some of the top storylines and I get into some of the mock draft stuff that's going on now that the college football season is winding down and what fantasy performers may be interesting coming to us next year as rookies. I'll catch you on the flips. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. I'm back. Okay. As I mentioned, we're in week 13. It's coming up. And if it's not now, then when? We got second to last week. So it's time to make your respective move. Let's go. Okay. What are the storylines this week? I'll start off Jim Harbaugh. Let's start with the Michigan coach. He's been suspended two times this year for three games each instance and for different violations. And I bring him up because he's flirted with the NFL in each of the past two off seasons. He's publicly stated many times how he views his Bowl as the pinnacle of the sport. And let's not forget, this man took over a terrible 49ers team, which was my team. So I was I had a front row seat for this and immediately took us to three straight conference championship games, winning 12 plus games each year. And it was only in his fourth year where he had the breakdown with the organization. They were a playoff team and they fell apart the last couple of weeks as it was becoming obvious that he was not going to return as coach. And Mr. Jed York couldn't handle the heat, just basically couldn't take the ego and the conflict. Look, this guy wants to win a Super Bowl. He's a winner. He wins everywhere he's been as a coach. And he's only 59 years old, so he's still young enough you could bring him in to build out your franchise over the next 10, 10 years. But why is he not a no-brainer hire for David Tepper in Carolina or the Washington Ownership Group or the LA Chargers? In short, he's a tough hang. I know this firsthand from seeing him interact with folks in my neighborhood. He lived here prior to moving for the Michigan job. He also went to my high school, although he was about 10 years ahead of me. But I know people, we know some people in common. But look, if I'm an owner who wants a meticulous, younger Bill Belichick type, and I'm willing to turn over the team to him and get out of his way because I just want to win, then I think it's a very good NFL hire. And by all accounts, this is exactly the relationship Kraft and Belichick had. Belichick didn't respect Kraft. Kraft did not like Belichick, but he recognized that he was a good coach and he let him do his thing. And it turned out to be beautiful for both of them. Quite frankly, Kraft's made a lot of money from him. His franchise is worth probably an extra billion dollars. Thanks to Belichick. That's a lot of cash. And Belichick's become the all-time winningest coach and made a lot of money himself. I think he goes to the NFL. I don't know where he goes, but it'll be interesting to watch that development this offseason. Okay. Injuries. Not a lot to talk here. Look, they suck. I hate injuries. If I could just wave my manager wand and never anyone never gets injured, I'd be excited. That'd be my hope. But we did get some bad news out of nowhere on Jonathan Taylor this week. He apparently hurt his thumb and he's having thumb surgery. The owner, who look, you can't trust this guy. He's an alcoholic. He's probably a lot of other things. He's but he loves to talk. He loves to go to the press conference. He's one of the most talkative owners in the NFL by far. So he went out there and said that he's only going to miss two to three games, what we think. But the word behind the scenes is he could go on the IR and you may not see him again this season, which would be rough. But I think there's a stronger possibility of that simply because they've got a top 10 guy 
top 10 fantasy guy and Zach Moss, who was just lighting it up beginning of the season. They were winning with him. So there's not as much of a devoid there. And they're in the playoff hunt, but they could easily fall out. So I think it sucks for Taylor. It's good if you've got Zach Moss. Good for you. Next is Aaron Rodgers. So on the positive side, Rodgers has been officially cleared to practice as of today. And apparently was at practice today. So he could legitimately be back by week 15, maybe even 16. But here's the challenge of this and why I'll call BS. Are the Jets really almost, they're almost definitely out of the playoff picture and likely by, definitely by then, but maybe already. Why would they risk Aaron Rodgers getting more injured and resulting in a career being over, right? They've got him locked up in a guaranteed deal for next year. And they put a lot of effort in terms of draft picks and expectation with this, this uh, trade to get Rodgers. Just doesn't make sense to me. So I don't think it's the, it's worth the risk. But then again, I'm an armchair pundit podcasting from my basement. So who knows? I definitely don't know. Uh, and if he wants to play and he can do it, hell, it's going to be a good story. Uh, as I mentioned last week, though, guys who've done this have come out and said it was a mistake to come back early. Jerry Rice being the most notable came back basically less than three months after he tore his ACL and she wasn't the, wasn't the same. Actually broke his kneecap. Okay, mock drafts. We are in full mock draft season form. There's For some reason, there's a litany of these draft mock drafts that were published this week. I suspect it's not a post-Thanksgiving somber kind of slow news, but what it's really is the college football season is is basically done. You've got one-ish games for the vast majority of teams that are going to play in a bowl game. You've got a handful of teams playing a conference championship game. So some of them have two games, but most teams have one game left. So the experts now have time. They can figure out where people sit in the, the rankings and so on. So with all that hype happening, I thought it'd be good to just highlight some of the new talent heading our way and just give you my kind of initial take on these players. I will say at first glance, there appears to be a ton of great quarterback and wide receiver talent, one generational, like really good tight end and some other tight end talent. Running back is going to be a little bit thin, some second, third, fourth round guys. Some guys will evolve into starters, some committee guys, but there's no Bijan Robinson in this draft, uh, no Saquon Barkley. There's no one that out of the gate is you've got to play him and the team drafted him, put in so much draft capital in that that's a no brainer. And I will say, everyone says deepest quarterback draft in a while. We say that a lot, but there is a lot of intriguing talent. So let me start with the quarterback. So first is Caleb Williams. I suspect he goes number one overall. There's a rumor he may not come out depending on where he ends up. I think that's probably unlikely. I'm not gushing that he's a generational can't miss talent. I just, I'm not sure I'm there yet, but I will say he reminds me of a more athletic, better arm talent, Jalen Hurts. He's dynamic with his mobility. You can see him move in the pocket. He sees the field well, can deliver the ball at all levels. I think he's really good. I think he he starts day one if he comes out. And keep in mind, he's got three full years of high-level Power 5 performance. He won the Heisman Trophy last year. He's been dynamic. Look at SC this year. They're 7-5, but not because of him. He has been spectacular on the field. It's really in spite of him. Without him, that USC team's probably 5-7. and seven. That's how good he was. And last year, same thing. He willed them to success. Really like him, and he's likely number one overall pick. I suspect the Chicago, which creates some interesting scenarios with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is almost definitely going to get traded, assuming Carolina ends up with that first pick, and Chicago gets it as a result of last year's Bryce Bryce Young trade. Second on this list is Drake May, who likely could go two overall, but certainly probably gets selected in the first three picks. I don't know if you know him. He's not as, as much of a household name, but he's the UNC starters at multiple years. 
He's your classic. He's 6'4", 230 plus pounds. He's super nimble for his size. He can run, but he's really a classic pocket passer, more in the Justin Herbert type of mold. When he runs, it's like Justin Herbert running. But he'll be a day one starter. I think he has a ton of upside in the vertical passing scheme. And I, I like that Justin Herbert comp. They're very similar. I think May's got a little bit more nimbleness, but he doesn't have the same arm talent. But it's it's very high in the arm talent. And in some years, he could be a number one overall pick. Third guy, and this isn't necessarily my order, but I, it, typically the pundits have this guy here, which is Jaden Daniels. Daniels has been spectacular this year for LSU. He's got the height in 6'4", demonstrates good knowledge of pro scheme. He's got two great receivers that he's getting involved. They're scoring a ton of points. I think he'll start immediately. I like him better. I haven't seen enough of him to, to truly say this with conviction, but I, I like him better than a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud from a pure talent athletic perspective. But again, moving from the SEC to the NFL is a big, huge jump. I think he's likely a top 10 guy. He's not going to fall out of the top 15, and he's going to be a good player. Next three names on the list on this list are varying degrees. Some people have them in the first round, some don't. I suspect at least two of these three will go end up in the first round. And they're Jay McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and Bo Nix. I'll start with McCarthy. McCarthy is a bit undersized. He's 6'1", kind of 210, 212 in terms of weight. But that's, look, that's not held back NFL teams in recent years with, with them snapping up Kyler Murray, Bryce Young, and Baker Mayfield with the number one overall pick. All three of those guys, I think, are sub. Murray and Young are like 5'10", both kind of around 200 pounds. Baker Mayfield, maybe he's six foot. He's got a little bit more size to him. But I've not been impressed by McCarthy. He's, he plays in a highly controlled Michigan run-dominant scheme. But talent evaluators like him as a first-round pick. He was a top recruit. He can definitely make all the throws. He's mobile. So Michael Penix, let's go to him. UW quarterback. He's had a magical senior year. And I, I, I don't say that lightly. He's a finalist of the Heisman. And the Southpaw, many people say his comp is, is college Tua. I don't, I think that's more of a best case comp, quite frankly. He doesn't run as well. I don't think he manages the pocket as well, but he's a lefty. He's got that highly accurate arm people are reacting to. So I'm going to have him in the first round. I like him. I think he's a guy who could develop into a starter. From a fantasy perspective, he's not somebody I'm going to be swooning over unless the reports the reports that I've made mini camp and early training camp are that he's just lighting things up and he's in a good situation. Nice thing with him is he's going to go mid to late first round, so he lands with the team that's probably got a little bit more overall talent, maybe even gets to sit for a year or two. I really like guys that can sit. When you look at some of the best quarterbacks of all time, they typically historically have gotten eight-plus games to sit, maybe a full season. That's guys like Montana, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. These guys got a season or more to sit. It's very healthy. Now, nowadays, guys are coming in. They played a ton of games. Penix, in particular, has played four seasons. He started his career at Indiana. He's had the last two full seasons at, U at University of Washington. He's got a lot of starts under his belt, but I don't see the high, up, high end upside there. My last one, Bo Nix. Look, the former top recruit, his dad was a starting quarterback for Auburn. He was a starting quarterback for Auburn. He's really matured into an NFL-level passer at University of Oregon, like more more complex concepts. He's really just lighting up defenses. I think he's the likely Heisman favorite this year. Not so he will win it, but he's definitely going to be one of the final three guys there. He's got a good combo of size, mobility, very good arm talent. I think he likely, he may fall out of the first round, but I like him. He's a four-year starter. He's consistently at his teams to better than expected records. I think he could translate into a very good kind of Kirk Cousins, Tack, Prescott type NFL career. 
reminds me a little bit of Jalen Hurts, not in terms of how they play, but in terms of someone who I think is being overlooked, will be overlooked in the NFL draft, but is somebody who actually ends up being a quality NFL starter. That's the quarterbacks. I'll try to go a little bit faster on receivers and not belabor this, but some of these guys you're going to want to know about. The receiver, there's seven first-round worthy selections, three likely top 12 picks in this group. And unlike last year, I think there's several dominant wide receiver one types available. So first and foremost, Marvin Harrison Jr., father as was a Hall of Famer. His son is bigger, faster, and more dynamic, and not to mention had better college productivity than his father. I think he likely will go as high as three, possibly four, could go as high as two. He's, barring injury and tennis situation, he's somebody who's going to be a very good NFL receiver and definitely a number one. Next is Rome Adunsi. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but he's a bit under the radar in Seattle playing at UW. This guy is a large target. He can make plays all over the field. He has a chance to be a star. He could slip into the team, but he's likely a top 10 pick. Next, Malik Neighbors. Neighbors has been fantastic this year. He's connecting regular often with Jaden Daniels. He's got the measurables. He's got the on-field performance this year. Question is whether it's Daniels or his talent. Some folks will have him in the top eight, but I but won't fall below kind of selection 20. He's definitely first rounder. Next is a is one of the the transfer portal darlings. Keenan Coleman transferred to Florida State. He's been a dynamic addition this year to Seminoles. His size and speed combo is great, not to mention his performance has been awesome. He's being discussed as a top 10 pick. I certainly, he'll certainly go in the first round. I think top 10 may be a little early, but he's good. Last guy I'll mention here. Actually, sorry, I got three more guys. The next guy I've always really loved as a freshman. He was super dynamic, Xavier Worthy. He wowed the Texan Longhorns as a freshman. I think he had 13 touchdowns, 1,000 yards. He continues to be dynamic, deep threat, and explosive weapon. The one thing, though, is he's a little undersized. Think Devontae Smith, skinny. And he's just not been as good the last two years as he was a freshman. He's not the route runner that Smith is. But he has another year of eligibility. Maybe he goes back. But his speed, explosiveness, kind of productivity are too high from the fall of the first round, in my opinion. Last two guys start with the Ohio State guy, Emeka Obuki. Many pro season kind of mock drafts or pundits, they had him as a top pick. He's definitely got the talent. I think his product- productivity has been way down this year with quarterback transition at Ohio State. But I still think he lands in the first round or definitely second round. He's got that high-end wide receiver one talent, which is why he's still on this list. And then there's a bunch of other guys I could list, but I'll throw out Brian Thomas Jr. He's another LSU receiver. Funny, we've got we've got two LSU receivers, two Ohio State receivers on this list. Michael Becky and, and Marvin Harrison. It's a fair question. Sometimes there's so much talent, it raises the profile and productivity of teammates. But this guy's been very productive. He's got the the size. I think he'd I, definitely be there. I think he's really good. A tight end, I'll call it two guys. Brock Bowers, Georgia tight end. He's arguably the most hyped tight end to lead for the NFL in years. He won't be selected as high as Kyle Pitts because he's not going to test like that. But his size, in terms of his inline blocking, his ability to make plays down the field, he's very good. He's going to be a likely a top 10 pick. And it'll definitely be a fantasy asset as a rookie. Uh, the only other tight end on the list here is Javani Sanders. He's Texas Longhorn, huge, big hands. He'll be a solid inline blocker. He's definitely an outlet receiver. I don't think he ends up, though, as a kind of Sam Laporta type until he's more seasoned. He also won't be selected until kind of second, third round earliest. Running back position, as I mentioned, it's a bit down this year. The draft position will be heavily dependent on kind of team need and then players' combine performance. This is a position where a spectacular kind of three-cone, short shuttle, and just overall athletic ability can make or break a guy. Literally, like, see some of these guys 
I'm trying to think Devontae and that is a great example. That guy could have fallen the fifth or sixth round if he had lower measurables, but he had such big measurables. He went, I think, with third round. Running back this year, Audric Estime, the Notre Dame guy. He's good, but not spectacular. Maybe he sneaks into the second round. Texas has got a guy, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of talent in Texas, as you can see. He's solid, but to me, he's, he's a committee guy. goes in the third or fourth round. Blake Corum, I think some people will call out. Maybe that's a guy that goes in the first round. Not a chance. He's just too much of a plotter. Could go higher due to name recognition, but high for him would be mid-second round. I think he ends up in the second, third round. You got Ohio State with Travion Henderson. Buckeyes produce a ton of quality in the back, but Henderson hasn't been special. I just don't see him going that high. You got Trey Benson in Florida State. Look, he looks decent. Again, I think he's someone he could go somewhere in the second round if he tests really well, but he could also fall to the fourth or fifth round. And then the rest of the guys here, Bucky Irving at Oregon, Donovan Edwards at Michigan, Dylan Johnson at Washington, Marshawn Lloyd at USC, Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. All these guys are, they're going to be on NFL teams. They could end up being starters, but I think they're all kind of guys that go in the third, fourth, fifth rounds. It's just not a high, great year for the running back position. Okay. On that note, I wish everyone has an awesome week. That you have a great weekend for week 13, the NFL season, and enjoy. I look forward to hearing from you and coming back next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. I said uptown.